Yeah. I hope the offering was good. Did y'all give? Yeah. I got a lot of blank looks. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, the dollar amount doesn't matter. Just so long as you give. It don't matter how much. Just make sure it's a sacrifice. Don't be giving easy. Oh, don't give easy. Don't give easy. Okay, so this is the first time I've ever done this message this way. So it's going to be kind of like a rehash, but, you know, 2.6, 2.7 maybe. All right. It's going to be a little different. So y'all going to have to hold on with me. We're going to have to believe God together. Y'all think y'all can believe God with me? Yeah, I think we can if we all get in there together. So let's go to, I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to open it up. So let's, um, did I tell you Galatians chapter 5 verse 6? Did I say that one to you? I didn't, did I? Okay, well, that's where we're going to, that's where, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Galatians chapter 5 verse 6 is the one where it says, uh, I think it's 6, it may be 7. It's the one where it says that, 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 that faith worketh by love. Okay. It's like gas in a car or a lawnmower. You know, anybody ever seen Sling Blade? You know. Ain't got no gas in it. Yeah. Ain't got no gas in it, you know. And that, that's a, to me, that is a true depiction, uh, like a solid, straight-up depiction of the Christian in their walk. You know, we, we, get to, we get to wondering stuff's not working. And so we bring the thing that's not working to the pastor or to the church or even to God. And it's not working. It's not working. It's not working. And you know, and it's what they call the kiss method method. Y'all know what the kiss kiss method is? Keep it simple, silly, instead of since we're at church. Sometimes it's the simple little things that we're missing, and that's why things are not working. That's why that's why the lawnmower won't crank. It's because it don't have any gas in it. It takes gas to make the motor run. It takes love to get the faith going. And see, here's the thing. Here's the reason why. This is why, okay? The Bible tells us you can't go to this one, Mark 11, 23, 24, 25, 26. Mark 11, 23, look at this. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes the things he says, he will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. See, God kind of puts a volume level on our voice. Because you've been given this power in you to speak to mountains and tell them to move, and they will. However, let's continue on. It says, therefore, whenever you pray, whatever things you desire, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. It's awesome. And this goes for anybody. Any Christian can speak to a mountain, can stand in prayer and believe that the things that they are saying will come to pass. That is something that's been, that's a gift that God has given us. It's a power that we possess. It is an ability that's been given to us by God that we possess, that we own. It's in you to be able to do that. You get, what you say will come to pass. What you say will come to pass. Let's go to the next scripture, Barbara Lee. But 
And whenever you stand praying, when you're in this moment, when you're in this moment, if you have anything or any ought against anybody, forgive them. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Verse 26. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. We have this tremendous power in us. And you get to believing and believing and standing and standing and ain't nothing happening. The lawnmower will not crank. And you're sitting there going to God, going to pastors, going to getting everybody in the world to pray for you. And it's a simple little thing. Jesus said, look, when you go to remove these mountains and get this stuff out the way, when you stand to pray, if you've got ought or anything against anybody, you've got to let that thing go. If you don't let it go, God can't let yours go. Your faith is not going to work. God basically takes the volume on your voice and turns it down because he can't trust you. He can't trust you with the power that he's giving to you. You might cuss somebody out going down the road while they're in their car and they end up having an accident because you're talking ugly to them. And you're moving that mountain the wrong direction. Is this making sense? So, so with unforgiveness living, breeding, growing on the inside of us, our faith has a tendency not to be producing as much as it used to. And why is that? Jesus said, all you got to do is stand. When you're standing believing, if you got anything against anybody, forgive them. And it's not, it's not a long process, guys. Not a long process. He said, while you're standing and praying, while you're right there in that moment, you can forgive them right then. And you, could, you can crank that tractor right now. You could crank that lawnmower and get things done. Next thing you know, those mountains begin to move. See, unforgiveness and bitterness get you completely out of love. Go to that scripture I gave you, the last one, Marvel Lee. I think it's in 1 John chapter 4. And we have known and believed the love, of God, the love that God has for us. I mean, have you ever thought about it, what God really, how much God really loves you? I mean, anybody in here that feels like don't nobody like them, you ain't reading your Bible enough. All right? And no, nobody care for me. That's bull. I'm sorry. It's just straight up bull. Yeah. Everybody else in the world, the Bible even says that your mother and father might forsake you, but God won't. He will not. He will not let you go. He won't. That's how much he loves you. It's amazing. I don't know. I don't know why I stopped there for a minute. But anyway, God, God is love. So that's it's what he is. It's not what he does. It's what he is. God is love. The, the, the absolute source of his power is his love. God's, God's power and uh, great and mighty, uh, I'm God, I'm Jehovah, I can do it all. Because he love, he's love. It's the same thing for you. You want to move mountains? Become love. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So a step out of love is a step out of God. A step out of love is a step out of God. And you're like, man, Greg, well, 
First Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8 says, Love is patient and kind. It's not rude. It's not resentful. It keeps no account of a suffered wrong. Which means it doesn't hold a grudge. It doesn't hold a grudge. Love will let a thing go. Love will release a thing and forgive it and let it go. If you take a look at you and what you've done to offend God in your life and look at what he has loved you back with and forgiven you and let the thing go, just take a look at it for a minute. Just think about it. Not only the things that you did, the things that you didn't do that he told you to do. That's a bigger one than the, you know, a lot of us can walk a straight line and hold my mouth right and do all my right stuff. But then whenever God tells you to go see somebody, to give somebody a word, to call someone, to pray for someone, you'll stand there silent. That's just as much of a defense as the other. That's the one that the Christian struggles with more because that's the one that, that's the one that we, that's, that's the one that we, we kind of hide because, you know, it's not like, you know, drinking and partying it up, you know, it ain't like that. Everybody see that, but can't everybody see you didn't go pray for such and such because God told you to and you didn't because you were scared. Anyway, oh, I was on that one. Oh, I lost my scripture. I said, which one was it? Ah, he who abides in love abides in God. See, if we make this a heart adjustment, we're going to talk about a heart adjustment this morning. It's going to be, it's going to be a little rough, but it's going to be okay. Everybody's going to feel good when it's over. I'm going to dangle you over hell for a minute, and I'm going to pull you back, and everything's okay. But if we get this love thing right, because let me tell you, let me tell you what, where, where I'm at. Let me tell you where Greg's at. Greg's looking because the lawnmower's not cranking. Lawnmower ain't cranking, so Greg's going to look to see what's up. And the first thing, because I've watched Sling Blade, the first thing I do is I start checking the gas. <laughs> Got to check up on my love walk. What's the deal? Something somewhere ain't right. I promise you. Because it ain't God's fault. It ain't God's fault. He's trying to get to you and has gotten to you everything he possibly can. So the, the kink is not with God. The kink most of the time, in fact all of the time, is us. We're our problem. You want to know what your biggest problem is in the entire whole world? Look in the mirror in the morning. That's your problem. I like with uh, Bill Bush. I, I've said it before in here. Bill Bush wrote, made this uh, tape. Do y'all remember cassette tapes? Anybody remember cassettes? What happened to them? They're gone. Anyway, he had his tape set. He had the tape set, and it was called 10 Stupid Things That Christians Do. And the first stupid thing that they do is they blame God for everything. The second stupid thing they do is they blame the devil for everything. And most of the time, it's you. You the problem. See, and that's what I love about the Christian walk. The Christian walk is so awesome, and the Word of God is so awesome. The Word of God will get in your face and make you realize, hey, it's you. It's you. That's why the word's so good and why we should feed on it and look at it all the time. The Bible even says that it's a mirror, that it's reflecting back to us what we're supposed to be. We look in the mirror, we ref- it reflects back, you go, oh, dang. Whoa. I don't know if I can do that, Lord. Yeah, uh-oh. 
read you a proverb a day if you want to have a uh-oh. You know, <laughs> Ooh, I'm supposed to do what? Anyhow, let's get back into this. Oh, my gosh, my phone. No, boy. Who wants an iPhone? iPhones are made for sissies that don't know how to figure stuff out. It's user-friendly. Well, I don't want to be a friendly user. I want to do what I want to do, the way I want to do it. I'm not, I'm not walking in love with the iPhone. You're correct. Oh, I love an iPhone. It is the... Yeah, there's my mirror. Yeah, thank you. iPhone is one of the best pieces of technology ever created for people that don't want to work hard for their stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just, I mean, I'm so, I got to get off of it. Let, let's get in the word. Stop, stop. We're getting in the word. Love, y'all. Love. Got to walk in love. Let's look at an, at an interesting thing. Uh, how am I going to do this, Lord? Yeah, amen. Okay. Go to Luke 17 that I gave you, Miss Marvely. And in this, Jesus is going to talk to the disciples about offenses, okay? That's what he's going to start doing. Getting offended, getting your feelings hurt, people don't treat me right, you know. Anybody ever been there? Is it just Greg? Yeah. Yeah, he said to the disciples, it's impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. So offenses are going to come to all of us. Just make sure you ain't the one bringing it. That's what he's saying. Woe to him. Woe means stop. Woe. It would be better for him a millstone hung around his neck and he was thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. So Jesus is saying that if something happens, somebody comes against you and brings something against you, there is nothing wrong with saying, hey, that ain't right, dude. I don't like what you said. It ain't right. But there's a way to do it in love. Hey, look, just don't talk to me that way. Appreciate it. You know, let's not do that. And then if the person says, hey, will you forgive me? You're supposed to. Then if he goes right around or she goes right around and does the same exact offense, you to do it again. And go around and do the same exact offense, guess what you're supposed to do now? Again. That's number three. Same exact offense, again. Number four. You see what I'm saying? Is this? Same day. Same day. Now, could you imagine somebody did something to you, you called them out on it, rebuked them. Hey, man, that ain't right. Don't be doing that. Don't say that. Don't act that way. And they go, oh, will you, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Of course I'll forgive you because, you know, God lives in me and I love people. I'm happy to forgive. And then they go and they do it again in the same day, seven times. Like, like I mean, just think about it. Just think about it in your life, people that have done you wrong once. I ain't going to let them do that again. You don't talk to me like that again ever. Tell you what, they do it one more time. 
And they do it one more time, I'm going to his house. <laughs> is it just me or is this? Yeah. Huh. He said, and seven times a day returns to you and says, I repent. You're supposed to forgive him. Could you imagine somebody doing the same thing to you seven times in the same day? And what's our response supposed to be? I forgive you. Which means to let it go. Not only forgive, but the Bible even says that God, whenever he forgave you, he also forgot. Which he did. See, whenever you sin against God, you go, hey, God, will you please forgive me? He goes, sure, not a problem. You go, great, man, I appreciate you forgiving me of the sin. He goes, what sin are you talking about? Well, the one I just asked for forgiveness for it. Well, I forgave it. I don't even remember it. That's the way God works with us. Like, if you keep remembering stuff that you did wrong against God and all these sins and all these things, that's not God. That's the devil reminding you of stuff that you did trying to get you off track. God looks at you and goes, I have no idea what you're talking about. What offense? I love you. You did great. What are you going to do now? Let's go do something now. That's the way God operates. And we're to operate the same way. Isn't this fun? It's a great message, isn't it? We're just going to run around the building here in a little bit. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Verse 5. What did the apostles, apostles say to Jesus after he said all this? Increase my faith. Why? Because I don't know how in the heck I'm supposed to do that, Lord. How am I supposed to do that? You mean to tell me. That if she comes and says this, that, and the other, and I call her out on it, and she wants me to forgive, yeah, will you forget? Yeah, and I forgive her, and she does it again within the next few minutes, that I'm supposed to let her be okay again, and I'm supposed to do that seven times in one day. That's what the disciples were like, huh? I mean, because you, you know, I mean, you got to think about these people. For some reason, we have over time, because they're just great men and there was great women that served God. You had all these wonderful people that served God. We put them up on this pedestal. But we always forget they regular folk. They regular people just like you, just like me, trying to figure stuff out. Working through emotions, working through people, working through life, working through junk. Issues, drama. They had all of that to deal with just like you. So they look at Jesus like, how in the world am I supposed to do this? You're going to have to increase my faith. Look what Jesus said. Oh, this is so awesome. What did he say? The Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, and we all know how little tiny that is. You could say to this mulberry tree, the King James says, sycamine, doesn't it? You could say to the mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and planted in the sea, and it shall obey you. See, what Jesus is saying is that your faith doesn't need to be increased. Your love walk just to be, needs to be changed to where your stuff will work. It doesn't take an awful lot of faith to forgive somebody. It really doesn't. It's a, it's a mustard seed. Hey, uh, Marvel Lee, this same scripture right here, let's pull it up in the King James for me, please. 
the old school King James version, just like they speak in heaven version. That's why tongue sounds like King James. You know that, right? Because they speak King James in heaven. So whenever you speak in tongues, it sounds like King James. I give you such a hard time, Donna. Indeed, indeed. Yes, it's something I'll bring out real quick while we're while we're waiting on this to to go to King James. We we use it so so very little. It takes them a while to get it pulled up. <laughs> In Matthew seventeen, Jesus tells this same kind of little parable, but he uses the term mountain instead of a tree. It's real interesting. He says, he says in Matthew 17, he said, he's talking about unbelief. And he says that if you want to remove the unbelief, you say to this mountain, be plucked up and cast in the sea and, and it will obey you. Because unbelief is a mountain in our lives. Whenever we start looking at unbelief, unbelief is this huge mountain that we're having to deal with. And that's why Jesus said, you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and it'll obey you. Because he was talking about unbelief. Unbelief is likened to a mountain. But this one, in this area, he's talking about unforgiveness and bitterness to the disciples. And he uses a completely different object lesson. He says instead of a mountain, what does he say? A tree. Which kind of tree? Sick of mine. Can we get there? Marble go all the way to the, uh, what is that, verse uh, 6. Yeah, verse 6 in there. There's a reason why the King James Version said Mulberry, and the, and the, or the New King James says Mulberry, and the uh, King James says Sycamine. There's a reason for that. And the reason is, is because the two trees were so similar, they were hard to tell apart. And even, even in the translation of the words and the terms that were used in the, in the original Arabic, they're, the, they're so closely related that you can kind of get off track. And so I am going to admit that the King James, the new King James Version turns this into a mulberry tree, which is a completely different tree than a sycamine tree. See that sycamine tree in the King James. Now, a sycamine tree is an interesting tree. They're grown throughout the Middle East, Okay. They're con- I got it. I got it. Yeah. Some- here, talk to him for a minute. Yeah. Well, it's time for the shedding of the sweater. You would think I would learn my lesson. You would think after shedding last Sunday. Yeah. It wasn't last Sunday. It was Sunday before. Sunday before last. Jesus says, if you'll say to this sycamine tree... So he's using the sycamine tree as an object lesson on what bitterness and unforgiveness look like in your life, just like he did with the mountain with unbelief, okay? So that's what we're about to get into. A sycamine tree, you find them all throughout the Mideast. They're easy to grow in dry climates. In a climate that has very little water, They'll grow and grow and grow. And the reason why is they have an intricate root system that goes all through the ground and bobs and weaves and goes through and goes through and goes super, 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 super deep with that, with that uh, what's, the, what's that main root called? Tap root. Thank you very much. 
the taproot goes super duper deep to, to get into the water that is underneath, underneath the sand in the area, in the dirt, in the dryness. They love dry situations. They love to grow in an area where there's not an awful lot of water. And if you remember in your word, the Bible tells us that the word is likened unto water constantly. In fact, if you go to, to uh, Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, it says, It'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, huh? whose leaves won't wither. Why? Because they're getting plenty of water all the time. And so this kind of tree grows in a super dry climate, a climate that has no water. Y'all with me? It also is if you try to get rid of this thing and you just cut it off and you don't dig up all the roots and everything, it'll stay and grow again. Anybody got a, uh, oh, what's those trees that we've got that you cut them off? Crepe myrtle. My gosh. Yeah, that's right. You know about this stuff. Crepe myrtle. Anybody got a crepe myrtle? All right. You ever cut one off at the, at, all the way down to the ground? You ever done that and left the root? In a year's time, that puppy coming back, baby. Coming right back. It's a good way to take a real ugly one and make them pretty. Just cut it off and start over. Or with an 18-wheeler. Yeah, that works too. But the root system, if it's not dealt with, if it's not dealt with, it'll regrow and start coming back. So a Christian that allows a sycamine tree to stay in their lives, that allows unforgiveness and bitterness in their lives, it will create a deep, 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 deep tap root in you. And its root system will entangle itself throughout your entire heart. Every area of your life will be affected because this root system is now planted in you and growing. And if you do not water your heart with the water of the word and keep a dry climate, any of you ever been like, I just feel, this is dry, I just don't, I can't hear God, and I just don't feel like things are working out. Anybody ever been there before? Not like that. that. That's a good one, bro. That's a good one. Man, I just don't understand why stuff don't work out. I've been doing all the right things. I just can't hear God. Anybody ever been there? And you start feeling dry spiritually? That dry climate is a great place for unforgiveness and bitterness to take root and grow and begin to entangle itself in your entire life. The other thing that this tree does is this this tree's wood at the time was used for caskets and coffins. Just the wood itself is preferred to be buried, to to bury the dead in. So if it's allowed to grow, you're just growing more and more and more coffins in your life. It'll lead to death. If you don't take care of unforgiveness and bitterness and get this stuff out of you, you will die before your time. And everybody else will try to blame it on God and it was you. You will go early and it's not the will of God. 
He wants us all to have a long life, to increase his kingdom and to spread his gospel while we're on this earth. The last thing he wants is one of you leaving early. That's the last thing he wants. Don't ever tell me that's God's will. Ever. I don't want to hear it. If they were cut off early, it was the enemy. It was circumstances that they allowed in their lives. It was something that was allowed in there that is not God's perfect will. Because everything in his word says he gives us long life. Amen. Amen. So it ain't God's fault. Who? Did I say coffins? I talked about the coffins, didn't I? (laughs) Dang. Dang. um, Not like that. That's funny. The primary difference between the mulberry tree and the sycamine tree was the fruit. The mulberry tree, if you picked the fruit and ate of it, and ate of the fruit, it was real sweet, and it was really good to eat. But the mulberry, the mulberry tree, because they were so sparse, and because the fruit was so good, only the exceptionally rich were able to participate in the eating of the mulberry fruit. So what the poor people did, was they began to eat the fruit off of the sycamine tree, which is very similar. However, that fruit is extremely bitter. It's so bitter that they can't eat the entire piece of fruit in one sitting. You have to keep coming back to it and keep coming back to it and keep coming back to it. So if we let, if we let, if we let bitterness and unforgiveness to remain in our lives, the fruit of it is more bitterness. And only poor people eat that kind of fruit. I don't know why my money ain't right. Is that better? I don't know why my money ain't right. I'm trying to do men voices instead of girl voices. I could do in between. Non-binary. Oh, I can get on that forever. No, I, I love my non-binary pals. I love them. Yeah, guys and gals and non-binary pals. They're friends. They're friends. They're friends. We're supposed to love everybody. I mean, you can't just be going and being all ignorant with folks like that. Now, they don't need to be ignorant back. You know, if I just say something about them being non-binary and kind of go, hi, you know, they all not be upset about that. No more than I should be upset whenever they want to come into church and tell me that their way is the best way. I shouldn't be upset about that. I might disagree with it, but I shouldn't be upset about it. I'm supposed to love them. It's the love of God that causes a man to repent. Love fixes that problem, not condemnation. Condemnation don't do nothing but make it worse. Best thing you can do is love. Love, 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 love. Ooh, ain't this fun? Yeah. So anyway, I don't understand why my money ain't right. Well, it's because only the poor people eat the fruit of the sycamine tree. You probably got a sycamine forest all up in your heart growing all kinds of fruit. And it's bitter and it's nasty. It's a dry place. Ain't nothing but a bunch of coffin wood up in your heart. And all you're doing is creating more and more and more bitterness. And you'll sit there and eat on it. And you sit there and eat on it. And then you come back to it and eat on it some more. And then you leave it. And then you come back to it and you eat on it some more. And then you get to thinking about I can't believe they did that to me. And you eat on it a little bit more. 
and you just keep eating on it and eating on it and can't figure out why your money ain't right. I'm giving as much as I give. Yeah. There's a tree up in there and you're eating the fruit of it and that stuff is hindering your money because don't nothing but poor people eat that kind of stuff. You might want to uproot that mess and get it out of you. Whoo. One more and then I'll be quiet. The sycamine tree does not naturally pollinate itself. It's, it, doesn't, it doesn't naturally go out and pollinate. Like, like, like you know, like we finna hit the time when everybody's going to be walking around coughing and sneezing. It's because there's pollen in the air because those kind of plants just kind of here. You know, <laughs> I want to make more of me. Go. Right? That's what's happening. And it gets in the air and we suck it up and it's pollen and we get in there. You know? That don't happen on this tree. This tree don't go, "Ah, get out. No, this tree's more like, I ain't doing nothing. God made one of me, ain't gonna make another one. So what happens? is wasps come to pollinate the sycamine tree. They will sting the fruit. They'll stick their stinger into the fruit that you've been chewing on and chawing on and coming back. I don't know why they did me that way. And that process right there, they'll pop the fruit and sting it again and sting it again. And you just keep thinking about it and it just, oh, I can't believe they did me that way. Oh, that stings. That just hurts. You go back to that initial hurt whenever you think about what was done. And it creates another tree in you. And you sit there and let the wasp sting at that fruit enough. You got this whole forest of sycamines tangled up in your heart, growing bitter fruit that only poor people eat. All up in everything that you do and all you can think about is how they did you wrong, how you done you wrong. And you trying to figure out why your faith ain't working. Jesus is telling us here. You got to talk to that tree. Do Are we still up? If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, not a lot. A little bit. You might say to this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root. So you've got to get the root out of it. You can't just cut it off at the ground. You've got to get it out. You have to completely, 100% forgive just like God forgives you. The exact same way. Plucked up out of the root and planted in the sea and it will obey you. You have to talk to yourself. You have to talk to your heart. You have to tell yourself that you are, I'm not going to think, No. I forgave that. It's over. It's done with. I'm going to forgive it. It's it's done. It's done. It's done. It's done. It's done. Because if you allow that stuff to continue in your life, if you allow your thought process to continue playing that thing over and over and over, because that's all the enemy's doing. He's got a little camera going, <laughs> playing that movie over and over and over again. What they did to you? He just laughing. <laughs> Get them wasps. You know. <laughs> I mean, that's just what I see. I see the devil with his tail coming up and a little horn. <laughs> Y'all don't see that? I see that in my head. Like an old school camera because he's broke, you know. 
He got he got to use a camera with a crank on it, like a Nickelodeon thing. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Watch that. Let's plant. Let's plant some more. Let's plant some more, huh? Let's do it again. Oh, they did you that way. Oh, look, they did it again. Watch it one more time. That's what he's doing. To get you to play this stuff over and over and over in your head so those trees will just uh, just do that bitterness. Ooh. Y'all ever watch the Veggie Tales? There was one called the Fib. Y'all remember the Fib? It was a little Fib. It grew a plant. It grew and grew and grew and grew. It covered the entire city because this, this, one of the little asparagus or something told a lie or broccoli Yeah. And it just grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. Nobody was taking care of it. Y'all got time for one more? You want me to be quiet? You know, if you got to go, you know my, you know my policy. Just get out. Matthew 18. (laughs) I wasn't being ugly. I was just saying, if you got to go, go, you know, bye. I mean, ain't nobody stopping you. We're kind of free up in here. If you got a roast burning, go make sure it don't burn. Isn't this fun? Mm. All right, here come Peter. Y'all know Peter? Peter done heard something about the second mine tree. Look at that. Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? See, you heard Jesus say he's supposed to do it seven times in a day. He's like, all right, I got it. Seven times. So on the eighth time, I wear him out. That's what Peter was thinking. And Jesus knew it. Verse 2, or verse 22. Jesus said to him, I don't say up to you up to seven times, but 70 times seven. 490 times, Peter, in a day. You want to be that way? No, man, not on number eight. On number 491, you go ahead. Open up a can if you want to. Because if you have given, if you have forgiven somebody 490 times in a day, you're not going to want to do nothing else with them. You ain't going to want to hit them. You ain't going to want to talk to them. You ain't going to want to see them. You ain't even going to want to think about them. You'll be like, just get out. I'm done. I don't want to see you no more. You, your daddy, your kids, your mama, nobody. Just get out of here. That's why Jesus said 70 times 7. Not to make Peter go, oh, man. He was like, yeah, Peter, I'm going to get you right. Peter trying to be a punk, see if he can do something on number 8. Don't mess with Jesus, man. I'm telling you, do not mess with him. Verse 23. Go ahead, Marvel Lee. You knew where I was going. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who settled accounts with his servants. Let's keep going. We're going to read this one. And when he had begun to settle accounts, uh, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And if you read your Bible, some of them say 10 million, some say a billion, some say blah. It's an awful lot. Okay? Jesus used the talents here because that was like, all right, like, like 40 million. Okay, you know, it's just like that. But this guy that came to the king was unable to pay. His master commanded that he be sold, his wife and his children, all that he had, and that, ma- and that payment would be made. So the, 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 the king said, all right, look, if you got to pay it, you, you owe me this, this big, awesome sum. You owe me a whole bunch of money. We're going to sell your family to get it paid, okay? okay. Not only going to sell you, we're going to put you in jail. We're going to sell your family, sell your stuff, sell your kids. 
They're going to be at Jody's washing dishes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Verse 26, the servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all of it. That ain't going to happen. He didn't pay him before. He ain't going to pay him after. He's just trying to get out of the, the situation that he's in. I mean, I'm a debt collector. I know. Oh, if you just, 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 just give me a couple more days and I'll get you the money. No, you're not. You're not going to. You hadn't done it up till now. You're not going to do it next week. Man, that got quiet. (laughs) Verse 27, Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion and released him and gave him of the debt. Ten million dollars, a billion, whatever it is, an awful lot. Forty hundred million thousands. It's a lot. I mean, that's a true term. Hundred million thousands. Look it up. It's a bunch. Hundred million thousands. But, verse 28, the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. Now, most Bibles will tell you this is about 15, 20 bucks. All right? So, the guy was just released of an awful debt, $10 million or so, billion, whatever the number is going to be, million, hundreds, thousands. Released, act like it ain't even there. He leaves immediately and finds a friend, a pal, a buddy. You pay me your whole, at twenty. I need that twenty bucks. Now he was just released of a ten million dollar debt that he doesn't have to pay ever again. But he came to him looking for twenty bucks. You better give it to me. And not only did he ask him for it, he put his hands on him. When was the last time you put your hands on a man that owed you money? Oh, the other day. Okay. Most of us don't do it that way. You don't grab them by the throat and threaten them, right? So this, is, this dude is being ridiculous. Verse 29, so his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Verse 30, and he would not, but went and threw him in prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he called him, said unto him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So, verse 35, My heavenly Father also will do to you do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. God forgave you of being stupid and ignorant five minutes ago and acted like it's not even there. Everything you did and did not do in your life, everything, every sin, Jesus died for all of them And not only does he forgive it, he says he moves it as far as the east is from the west. I, even I, am he who blotted out your transgressions for my own sake and will not remember your sins, Isaiah says. I think that's 45 or 43. I, even I, am him who blotted out your transgressions and will not remember your sins. So why are we holding on to what people have done to us? 
Because as we hold on to that thing, that thing don't do nothing but kill our love walk. And we take the steps out of love, and now our faith ain't working. We can't move mountains. We can't pay the bills. We can't get healed. Trying to figure out why it won't work. Go to the pastors. The pastors say, well, it must be some unforgiveness. I don't know. What you talking about? What you talking about? I forgave them. Did you really? Did you really forgive it and let it go? Act as if it never happened. I've been through this process. I had a friend that owed me some money. A lot. I very rarely talk about it because I forgot it. But as a testimonial to y'all, I've had to walk this thing out. He owed me a lot of money. And he kept calling, I'm going to pay you, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Personally. And I finally said, I said, look, dude, God has forgiven me for a whole lot more than this little bit of money right here. Our friendship is not worth it. I don't ever want to speak of it again. And that was the end of the conversation. I don't say that to say that I'm all that in a bag of tater chips. I just say that to say that we all have to walk this stuff out. It was an offense. It was very offensive. I didn't have a good job. I didn't, I didn't have a good I was working three jobs, I think, at that time. Isn't that right? Three or four jobs. I mean, I'm trying to make it happen. Kids are little. We got bills. We got hospital stuff. You know, I think we're still trying to pay for Zoe getting here. I needed that money bad. And it was promised back to me. I never saw it. But I've never spoken of it with him since. It doesn't come up. If he tries to talk about it, I tell him, be quiet. I don't want to hear it. It's over, done with. I don't even know what you're talking about. We have to step into love. We must make love our number one Priority. Isn't that 1 Corinthians chapter 13? Hold on, y'all. Yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. This is the last verse in there. It says, And now abide faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is what? Love. Verse 14, chapter 14, verse 1. The very next statement, pursue love. The Amplified Bible says, make it your quest. Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, love your brethren as, as, as I've loved you. It's a commandment of love. If you fulfill love, you fulfill the rest of it. The first fruit of the Spirit is love. It's something that we should grow in all the time. As we grow in love, we grow in faith. We grow in God. As we abide in love, we abide in God. Without love, the whole thing don't work. It don't work. And the enemy, he don't try to get you on being, being rude and not thinking, you know, he, he, patient and kind, you know, that's kind of easy to do, you know, as long as you keep your mouth shut and do your thing. But that bitterness and unforgiveness, that thing will grow in you. And that thing will wrap itself around you and you'll be tangled up and don't even know it. So let's do that. The Bible says, go back to Mark 11, 23, 24, 25, 26. All the way to 26 there, Miss Marvelee. Now, 25, I lied. Did y'all read that one? 
You ain't even got to preach that stuff. All you got to do is do it. So let's all stand. And let's on purpose release resentments. The Bible says if you have anything against anyone on this one, the King James says if you have any ought against anything. And I love this. Mark Haken says, do you know what an ought is? An ought is something that somebody, they ought to have done it that way. Well, they ought to do it like this. Well, what they ought to do is this. If you got any of that stuff going on, you got to release it. Let it go. Let it go. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for the forgiveness that you've given us.